Hello guys, welcome back to the In The Zone podcast. I'm Declan or Mallards Y or Tommy Please Draft a Hitter on Instagram. Every time the name changes for some reason. Um, but today we have um, a very special guest um, who's my second guest who I've actually met in person. Um, this is, of course, the new captain and the new manager of the downtown Diamondbacks. Um, the second overall pick in the 2020 draft, the uh, 2020 most dedicated, uh, Jimmy Norp. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Quite yeah. the intro. Uh, yeah, I like to uh, give a long intro uh, because there's a lot of accolades that uh, a lot of guys go through. I gave like uh, a billion for Tommy and like uh, <laughs> probably like a million for Drew too. Uh, there's a lot of accomplishments, uh, you know. Um, but uh, so um, going into our first question here, uh, obviously you were drafted by the Downtown Diamondbacks. Um, in uh, in last year's draft, and obviously, um, it's it looks much more different now. Obviously, the, you're the new captain of the D-backs. Um, but uh, so, um, obviously, you talked about it a little bit. You never met Gavin Oreski before that, but um, you know, how did it feel um, knowing that you were um, going to be on a team that has a lot of potential, um, but also kind of um, just, I, I guess, yeah. How did it just feel? Yeah, when I, when I first got drafted, honestly, I was super excited. I've been a fan of the league since, like, 2017. I've gone to all of the Michigan tournaments since they started running them. I was trying to get into the league. And then I heard it was pretty obvious that Jorgensen was going to go number one. And then it was really between me and Sailor who was going to go two. And we heard the teams were, like, back and forth on us. Overall, I was happy to be on the Diamondbacks. I wasn't sure how well it was going to work because I wasn't sure if I was even going to play at first because, obviously, they already had pretty good pitchers with Gavin mason jewel but end up i went there gavin told me i was going to pitch that second game against the cobras i threw the ball pretty well and then eventually became the ace of the team and haven't really looked back ever since but i love being a diamondback i wouldn't want to play for anybody else yeah um obviously uh i would love to have your talents over here too um <laughs> but uh you know uh so obviously um you had a pretty good um you had a pretty good winter league, actually. You ended up winning the championship. I actually put that up on a question poll. Um, yeah. Jimmy Norp voted Jimmy Norp for Jimmy Norp. Um, so, I, yeah. you know. I knew the answer to that one. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Um, but uh, obviously, um, now, I, I, I'm pretty sure that you're good friends with Nick Saylor. Yep, very good friends since we were young kids. Yeah, so you guys obviously um, won the Winter League, um, and so, uh, you know, you said you were going back and forth, um, or I guess the D-backs and Wildcats were going back and forth, who's going to draft you, who's going to draft Nick, but in the end, like, I'm just thinking of this now, but the Wildcats traded for Michael Aguilar, and he was kind of like a good secondary pitcher behind Gavin, so I think that possibly could have affected, you know, um, who actually went to the D-backs because um, Gavin had, like, a strong pitching core. Um, he had a lot of guys who could pitch. Yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously, um, just going into your first series, actually, um, you talked about it with Drew, but uh, obviously, so you meet all these kids, and uh, obviously Drew is a bit of a character. Um, yeah pretty interesting walking up to the field for the first time you have drew running sprints before the games even started <laughs> yeah drew is a really really weird guy he does some weird stuff i've heard in the pre-games like oh man it's like he's a character yeah uh and obviously 
uh, you have, um, so you meet all the D-backs, and, um, obviously Josh wasn't there, um, but you met him before, uh, so, how did, how did, like, so you meet all these kids, uh, was this, like, the first time basically meeting the Cobras, too? Yeah, I didn't know anybody on the, I mean, I talked to Drew a little bit at the Winter League, but I didn't know Andy, I didn't know Sean, Brendan Schultz was there, I didn't think I had met him yet, really, so... But, yeah, I was definitely nervous about meeting all the guys, but, I mean, my teammates were awesome. Like, Mason Jewell, Mitchell Teal, Gavin, Ben Wilson, who I'm very close with now, they all just welcomed me in right away, and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, and obviously you talked about Ben. Um, uh, when I heard about his signing, I was kind of like, uh, they have, like, a stacked, like, lineup now, but, like, how is this kid going to, like, fit in? And he's actually turned into a great player, um, probably... Yeah. In my opinion, he was, like, uh, I don't know, like, if there was no draft, because um, Ben did not originate from the draft, um, I think he probably would have won the Rookie of the Year, because, I mean, oh, yeah. he, he's he's a really, really good contact hitter. Um, he makes amazing grabs in the outfield. His defense is unbelievable. Yeah, unreal. Um, and so, you get into that first series, and uh, you end up getting swept, but, you know... Uh, you do make a couple pitching appearances. Um, how how was your first series? Just like nerves and all that. I think what's actually really funny is I I struck out Drew to start the game the game that I pitched, and then after that I walked a couple of guys. I think my nerves were getting to me a little bit. And actually Ryan Cratch was at the series, and he goes, "Jimmy, you gotta relax." He goes, "It's just a wiffle ball, right?" And then I kind of settled in after that. I got a big lucky double play, and then. Yeah, and then I remember going into, like, the Eagle series the next series, I was like, I just, like, told myself, I'm like, it's just wiffle ball, like, just be yourself, have fun, and I think my confidence kind of got better after that, and my pitching performances started taking off from there. Yeah, um, so, obviously, Cratch is talking to you, this guy should talk a big game, uh, <laughs> because if he's saying it's just wiffle ball, this is the same guy who won Rookie of the Year, MVP, and Cy Young, the only player to ever do so. So I don't want to hear it's just wiffle ball from him because uh, he he definitely takes it more than it should be, especially considering this is the guy who's like, I'm bringing wiffle balls to baseball practice every other day. Like he said that in the Preds document. He said that in the Preds documentary. That's ah. What a, Dedication though. It's what you need. That's why he's got a championship. I guess. He's got two championships. Oh yeah, one with the Eagles too. Yep. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so talking about your Eagles series, you get the ball from Gavin Nareski, which, honestly, i got to applaud Gavin. He saw your potential. Yeah, I, was, I was not expecting that. I was not. I, I, yeah, i got to applaud Gavin. He saw your potential, and he said, you know, this is what's best for the team. So he hands you the ball. You end up winning game one. Um, and uh, so how was, how was um, you know, your first major league, uh, major league win, um, especially against a team that has the 2015 MVP, um, the four-time Cy Young Award winner and Daniel Schultz. So, how did that feel? Yep. Yeah, I remember after like the first inning, I just I felt really good. All my pitches. It was one of those days where like every pitch I was throwing was working. Especially my drop. I'd say that was probably the best day my drop ever was. And so I remember, yeah, after the first inning, I was like, guys, just give me like one run, and I think we can win this game. And Ben Wilson obviously hit the huge home run off of Dan. We were all fired up. And then I came back out in the third inning, and I mean, through the, through the shutout against a good Eagles team. Got struck out Dan to end the game, and I mean it felt unreal. It was, I mean you could see in the video I was pretty fired up. I was high five and all the guys. 
I was excited. I, I couldn't believe we went on to lose that series, but... Yeah, honestly, I wish you guys would have won that series because what would have happened is the Eagles would have missed the playoffs. But there's a million scenarios in my head that go through my head, like, almost like whenever I'm thinking of, like, a Mallards post, because, like, I'm not just a Mallards fan page anymore, but, I mean, whenever I'm thinking of, like, a Mallards post, I'm thinking, like, man, there were so many opportunities where, like, if the D-backs, the Gators want one, like, just wasted opportunities. Yeah, it wasn't like the Gators in the NL situation last year where they were just god-awful. Sorry, guys. Um, But you were eliminated before the last series. You were eliminated, like, pretty much. I mean, they were, like, 1-8, and and then it just wasn't a good year. Um, World Series champions, so nothing to complain about. Coming into that last series, all four of the NL teams had a chance to miss the playoffs. Yeah, that is... Yeah, if the Gators got swept, they would have missed, yeah. Yeah, if the if the Gators, yeah, so, yeah, like you bring up an interesting point, like uh, you know, a lot of people think the Gators would have been safe, but there actually was like a couple paths where the Gators would not have been safe if they, um, if they took a route exactly like this. So um, I'm pretty sure this is correct. But if the D-backs win two against the Mallards and then the Mallards win one, um, then the D-backs uh, march to the playoffs if the Gators uh, get swept by the Eagles. So that is that's just like. That's crazy because you guys have the tiebreaker on them. You're both seven and eight, and you guys have the tiebreaker on them. So that that was just crazy. Like the AL was basically um, finished um, as soon, like as soon as the Wildcats were like eight and one or something like that. Well, not eight and one. They were like eight and uh, like nine and three, uh, something like that. Um, they were really really good. So uh, the AL was basically locked up, but tight race in the NL um, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I knew we had to sweep the Mallards. If we didn't sweep the Mallards, we weren't going to get it. Uh, yeah. I, just, I saw no scenarios where the Gators were going to get swept by the Eagles. Yeah, um, well, they honestly, they could have if uh, if Cheatham didn't throw that perfect game. But uh, Yeah. You know. um, but uh, going into your next series, uh, you actually, um, well, technically, uh, before the fans saw anything, like, there was still... You guys had series done, but they only voted for the first two series uh, series of the year for the All Star Game. Um, yes. You got uh, voted into the All Star Game with your friend uh, Ben Wilson, um, and uh, so you make your first All Star team. Um, like, how did it feel? Like, uh, you weren't a starter, but um, you were a good, you know, bench bat for sure. Uh, and uh, honestly, I think you should have pitched too. Oh wait, I think you did. I did. I did. I didn't pitch well. <laughs> Did not pitch well in the All-Star. Okay, to be fair, nobody on the NL did except yeah, Tommy. Besides Tommy, Tommy yeah. threw the ball well. Tommy was, honestly, I wish Tommy would have, like, maybe sucked like everybody else and then threw like that for a series, maybe against you guys or the Gators. Yeah, yeah. T- Tommy always says that. Tommy says that was the most locked in he was all year in the All-Star game. Yeah, so, uh, obviously, you uh, get blown out 11 to nothing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's just how it went. <laughs> Wait, we didn't score. I thought we had. We didn't have one. No, oh, eleven man. to nothing. Uh, to, okay, it might be embarrassing, but just remember that. Okay, it it might be embarrassing now, but the NL has lost four straight of the four years that the All Star Game has been around with the divisions, and uh, they also got pretty much blown out in twenty eighteen too. So, you know, don't don't be don't be too sad. It's. That was- that was shot. The All Star Game was definitely my favorite MLW day of the year. Like just all the guys there was so fun. But I remember you said I wasn't starting. I was sitting on the bench to start the game, 
And Jorgensen, who was absolutely unhittable the whole first half of the season, oh. gave up like five runs in the first yeah. inning. And this, it wasn't on walks either. Like, they were hitting on oh, yeah. I, I, I was sitting there shocked. My job was on the floor. I couldn't believe it. Drew Davis and Jack Agner, who both batted like 180, actually had like a couple home runs and like hits. So that's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how bad it was. Like, the. I mean, no, no nothing on Drew and. Uh, Jack, but I mean, these guys, you know, weren't exactly hot in the first half, so. Um, and they didn't even have Sailor and Cratch either. See, with our chances, would have been even better. I don't. I don't even want to know what would have happened if, uh, if if Sailor was. There. <laughs> I don't want to know. I honestly fear for everybody's existence if Sailor uh, Sailor was there. I want to. I want to know. It was probably going to be like twenty to nothing if Sailor was there. So, it's probably a good thing. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, your second half, honestly, that's the best second half I've ever seen. Um, I don't care if the Wildcats, I don't even care if the Wildcats went 15-0 and in 2015. You guys had a 6-0 and record. You guys won against a, a, the eventual World Series champions. Uh, and then you guys won against the 2017 World Champions and 2018, uh, National League pennant winners. Um, but your first Gator Series, you are on the brink of elimination. If you lose two games... Yep. Um, you are out. So, how yep. what was what was your mindset going through that? Were you uh, worried at all? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried. I remember I actually called like a team meeting like the day before. We had like a group FaceTime me, Ben Wilson, and Jonah Heath, and I'm just like, guys, let's just take it one game at a time. I was like, I was confident, and then we heard that Jordy wasn't coming to the series, and you know, confidence went up a little bit. And then Joe, that was Jonah's first like start. Start hits three homers off of Chris Cheatham. It's unbelievable. Ben Wilson making crazy, but we just all played so well that series. And I know people say it'd be different if Georgie was there. I probably I agree. I don't think we sweep him if he's there, but I still think we have a good chance to win the series because we were all just locked in that day. I honestly look at it this way. I feel like, uh, I honestly I feel like you guys were just so hot that that series that. Honestly, I just think that even with Jorgensen there, um, the Gators may be able to sneak one. But honestly, uh, I feel like it's still it's still going to be pretty close. But I think Jorgensen gets one game. Um, but I, again, I think you guys still would have one hundred percent won that series because that's a great lineup, um, great yeah, supporting cast. I love our lineup right now. Yeah, um, obviously um, you have. Uh, if Wilson, um, I don't even know who you're, uh, you know, lineups are so crazy to me. Like, they always switch sometimes. Like, um, I know Wilson. Yeah for, most, yeah, for the most part, we went Wilson, myself, Heath, in that order. But I think next year we'll change it up a little bit. Mm, I, I think I think possibly you should be the leadoff hitter, considering you just won the batting title. So Yeah, um, that's what we were kind of talking about. But Wilson's on base percentage was actually just a little bit lower than mine. Like, he gets on base. Mm, yeah, but well. Yeah. I'm not surprised that you were, you know, really, really good in on-base percentage because you hit, like, 426 or something like that. Um, uh, you blew out the rest of the cast. You know, maybe, you know, um, I do talk about this a little bit, but the nu- the numbers inflation from, like, uh, Bix Beaton and Brendan Zerlag, like, eh, but, um, you know, it still takes a good hitter in order to hit. Like, you were hitting uh, all around, like... You still would have done pretty good. I mean, you were crushing Cheatham, too, so... Um, there's no doubt in my mind. 
that uh, yeah, well, I, 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 some guy DM'd me the other day. He said, if you take away my at-bats versus, like, Bix uh, and Zerlag, I haven't done the math, but he says I still lead the league in average. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I haven't done the math. I didn't, I, honestly, like, you, you, he's probably right. I mean, you blew out the competition. Chadwick was two, and he had, like, 323, I'm pretty sure. Um, same, something yeah. like that. I think it was in the three twenties. I mean, honestly, I'd give, I'd give it to Chadwick. My voting for Rookie of the Year was a little something like this: it was Chadwick, Norp, Cheatham, Jordan. I would have had it the same. I would have had it the same way. Honestly, I, honestly, I probably would have put Sailor four. But. Actually, yeah, probably Sailor. Honest, no, Sailor at three. No, screw it, Sailor at three. Honestly, Sailor was <laughs> so good. He he was so underrated. Yeah. Quite honestly, so, such a valuable asset. My scariest hitter to face, for sure. And he he knows what I'm gonna throw. Like in the game, he hit the walk off homer off me. Like it was a good drop ball I threw. And I remember I talked to him after the game, and I was like, "You were sitting on that pitch, weren't you?" And he goes, "100 percent knew it was coming." I'm like, of course he did. Oh my god, he just knows me so well. I mean, yeah. my favorite part of that series in particular is when not only he hits that home run, but when Tommy is voice cracking to high heaven. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> He's voice cracking and like Nick's crossing the plate. Sailor. I mean, the guy's just. I mean, he sounds like he's maybe thirteen. Um, but uh, that, that was pretty funny. Um, but uh, obviously, you you go into your last series. Uh, you sweep the Mallards, but uh, uh so yeah. you uh you win uh against the Mallards. You uh basically, I guess, crush them. Um, crush crush everybody's hopes. Um, fun fact, we win that series, uh, the way the Eagles-Gators series went, we would have actually, we would have actually won the National League if we actually won that series. <laughs> That's how stupid. That's how stupid. Dude. Was so crazy. It was so close. Dude, it, we were, we could, literally could have been the one seed if we won two games that series. That's how crazy yeah. the NL was. Like, if we just did what we did last year to the D-backs, uh, it just, you know, I mean... Got to applaud the uh, the Jimmy Jonah and Ben uh, trio. Yeah. Uh, that I, was. I don't think I've ever been more locked in for a sporting event. In my life. I don't think I said a word that whole series until the end. <laughs> I was I was I was prepared to play that one. It sounds it sounds like you're pitching a perfect game from the way you're describing it. Right. Well, not quite. Tommy didn't take me deep, but I remember before game two, Jonah Jonah was warming up to pitch because he was throwing game two, and we had like a huddle around the ball, around the mound, and I go Jonah. Just win this game. I was like, just give me a chance to get us to the playoffs. And everybody starts laughing. They're like, this guy wants it so bad. I was like, just give me a chance. And then Jonah won it. Here, gave me a chance. Here's the sad thing. So uh, I've mentioned this a few times in uh, DMs with people because uh, every so often people will be like, yo, what do you do for sports? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just tell you. Um, but uh, so... I uh, I was actually going to a meet for cross country uh, on the day that this video was supposed to drop. Um, the whole time, of, um, so I actually show up to school um, and uh, uh, I'm about to hop on the bus to go to my meet and uh, the video drops. So I think to myself, as long as we win one game, we're good. But I was I was thinking the whole time, 
I was thinking in my head, I was like, this D-backs team is so, like, there's no way we don't sweep this team. And if we don't sweep them, <laughs> we'll win two out of out of three. We'll win two out of three, and then the Eagles will come through with us, uh, for us, clutch, big clutch Dan. So I scroll through all of the videos, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm just thinking the whole time, like, oh, my God. I don't even watch, I haven't even watched that video because, like, I'm, I'm like, A, what's the point of even doing it? And B, like, we just got our asses kicked. I mean, sorry for the, <laughs> for the blur there. But, I mean, uh, I was way too overconfident. I said to a D-backs fan, I said to him, right on game day, I said to him, we're going to win this series 3 to nothing." And this guy's like, dude, the D-backs are good. And I'm like, no, they're not. We're going to win this game. Yeah, and obviously, you know, nothing goes right. Uh, Tommy can't do can't do much. I felt bad. Tommy's so good. He just couldn't find strikes on that series. Yeah, and obviously, okay, I I love Trevor's future. I hate people who are denying Trevor. He's so good. He's gonna win most improved this year. I'm guaranteeing you. I'm guaranteeing it. he's so he's so good of a pitcher and people just overlook him because of one series against the Magic. It's yeah, his first series was tough. I remember we had like a rookie. Our, our draft class is like so tight, we're all like so close, and we had like a, a group chat. It was just group chat was not good after that series for Trev. But mm-hmm. uh, what I was gonna say when you when the Mallards lost that series to when we swept you guys. I still thought for sure you guys were getting in the playoffs because I just thought that the Gators would at least take two and three out from the Eagles. I thought the Gators were a better team, and I thought there was no way. But yeah, honestly, that might have been um, a uh, honestly. The the more and more I'm thinking of it, like it it kind of reminds me of what the Washington football team had to do this year. Um, it was like uh, if the Giants won this game or the Cowboys won this game, it didn't matter who won. If they lose against the Eagles, they're not going to the playoffs. So uh, it kind of reminded me of that, like, um, you know, uh, it's just kind of a lot of weird situations that occurred in the NL, um, kind of like uh, kind of like the AL this year because a tiebreaker decided who's going to the playoffs. Um, I'm not really a big fan of tiebreakers. Um, I think possibly we should start doing, like, uh, a uh, a face off of like yes. who's gonna get it? Thank you. Yes, that's what I've been saying too. I also like your idea. Seven game World Series. I love oh, that idea. That I love it. I love that yeah. idea. I've been thinking of it. It's it's really really good. I would really like it. Yeah, I like. Yeah, pitchers would have to show up. You'd have to. You definitely have to have two pitchers if you're gonna go seven games because guys will get tired. Uh, honestly, I have to have two. Honestly, I feel like it would be fun to watch that because yeah. um. I don't know, the the more and more I'm thinking of it, the postseason, like, um, the two-guy postseason, like, the uh, innings limit for the postseason is kind of um, a little yeah. shaky. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a little weird uh, because there's no, like, there's nothing to do that much. Um, and, uh, but, you know, a, a lot of stuff did not go your way in the postseason. Uh, yeah, Jory's Got the yeah. best of us. Yeah, so you go into that series knowing you just literally, I mean, you literally destroyed this team. I mean, uh, three to nothing sweep. Uh, you won sixteen to nothing the last time you met. Uh, yeah. Would have been sixteen to two had it not been for Ben Wilson. Um, yep. Rob, Rob, God, Rob. that thing was so 
Honestly, I voted him for Gold Glove. I'm not afraid to say it. Honestly, yeah. I love Drew, but that that those two catches that he made, uh, I just think were like so good. I'll say as a pitcher too, the confidence you have on the mound, having a guy like Ben Wilson behind you, is unreal. Because I don't remember a single time he made a mistake. Like he makes all the great plays, but he makes all the routine plays too. I like wiffle ball's hard. Honestly, your entire outfield is really good, yeah, and I got We got Jonah. Jonah played good outfield. I I gotta admit it. I was a little disrespectful to you. Um, you know, uh, I yeah, said. Man. I said you were bad at Gold Glove. Um, or no, I said you were bad at fielding this year. I think that was just because I didn't see enough. Um, and Tommy is a former Gold Glove award winner. Um, Jorgensen made a play that really impressed me. Um, yeah, that thing was that was a good play. But I think I disrespected you a little bit, and I I think I put you a little too low in the batting order too. Um, when I made my uh, when I made my um, my uh, my. My lineup list, my combined lineup for the National League, I put Jimmy at DH. Um, a little too disrespectful. Um, you know, uh, possibly, I probably should have put you. Um, honestly, I, I think we can all agree Daniel is probably going to start for everybody. I mean, yeah. um, but obviously, not a great series uh, to end your season. I honestly thought you guys were taking that series, no doubt. Um, Me too. Uh, but I guess it just wasn't, you know, the day Jorgensen was so on, it wasn't even funny. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like whoever won that series would have won the World Series. Honestly. Yeah, yep. I, that That's what I feel like. Honestly. Well, I think, yeah. Well, we were saying, we say whoever won that series would at least go to the World Series. I mean, the Wildcats, oh. obviously, you can't put any disrespect on them. It's a great team. But I think, yeah, we were both better than the Eagles, us and the Gators. Yeah, I don't think that's really up for debate, quite honestly. I'm, I'm not even going to uh, risk hurting any Eagles fans' feelings because you guys are so mean to me. You guys are like, have fun sitting on the... This is the, this is an Eagles fan. The second the, ga- the, the season is over, have fun sitting on the couch this postseason. And I'm like, thanks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy that when I'm going to be saying it to you next year. The Eagles aren't going to the postseason. They are the worst team in the National League, no Dan, doubt Dan's in my mind. Dan's got a lot of decisions. I'll never count out Dan, though. Dan is so good. The, okay, I, I, like, um, I, I like what Dan does, but honestly, the roster is going to be so big next year because he's not cutting Neil Smith. He said that explicitly. I don't even think he should. Neil Smith is a non-base machine. Um, yeah. And he's not cl- cutting Clayton Price. He's probably, the, if not, honestly, good pitcher. Uh, um, probably the second-best uh uh, number two in the league, um, but yeah. uh, you also have uh, Heath. He's good yeah, too. Heath, if Heath hits the strike zone more, he'll get up there. He's got to work on the walks. Yeah, but we'll be we'll be working in the off season. Don't worry. Yeah. So fast forward, um, and uh, after your season ends, you are pretty dedicated um, to uh, to MLW. You uh, I think did you go to the Wiffle in the Mitten tournament? Yep, playing the Wiffle in the Mitten. Yeah, so you go to the Wiffle and the Mitten Tournament, and uh, you also go to the MLW Illinois Slugfest Tournament. Um, if nobody knows what I'm talking about, me and Jimmy are for some reason wearing the same exact shirt right now. <laughs> Didn't even plan it. Um, but uh, obviously, uh, it was pretty fun. You guys took second um, in that... Oh, wait, yeah. can I say that? Yeah. I think I can't say that. Okay. I don't know. No, you can, you can say it. Because Kyle, Kyle put on the Instagram story I was going to yeah. the championship, so you're all good. I was pretty sure that I could do it, so, you know. Um, but, obviously, you had a pretty good 
you brought Heath with you, um, who uh, I was actually one of the first ones to bring uh, to actually see Heath with a with a D-backs jersey on. Yeah, it was pretty it's pretty awesome to see. And uh, for some reason, I was like, okay, is that Jimmy and Jonah's teammate, um, or like who is that over there? And it was uh, the whole time I was thinking to myself, like, who is this player? Did he come to like a new to like a series at some point? It was Gus. The My man, Gus. the yeah, um, <laughs> that was uh, Gus was uh, the Gus is a character. That's uh, Gus that's is, for sure. Gus is definitely a character. Um, we'll see, we'll see what Gus's future holds for MLW. I heard I heard Drew might be uh, <laughs> might be interested in drafting <laughs> drafting yeah, him. There's talks about it. Let me just, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Gus knows this, so if Gus is listening to this, he won't be offended. But Gus is not the greatest of wiffle ball players. <laughs> According to Jimmy, he can't swing the twig. Um, <laughs> uh, swing the twig. No. I love saying that. Swing the twig. It's one of my phrases. Uh, obviously, uh, you have a a great um, you have a great uh, tournament. Uh, it was really really fun meeting you, um, Jonah, yep. all the guys. I actually think I have this. I do. Got the there that is the go. wiffle ball. That is Jimmy Norp's signature. Uh, he put it uh, not in a very good place. Uh, it's actually, <laughs> I'll say this. Out of all the guys in the league, my signature has got to be near the bottom. It's pretty bad. Okay, no. I'm going to have to give you this, though. It it was signed on actually where, like, the plastic comes out of the wiffle ball. Yeah. Um, so you just got a bad place right there, quite honestly. Drew's is really, really sloppy. Oh, yeah, you um, can't read Drew's. No, it is just a bunch of... It, I can make out, like, maybe a W, and... Kyle's is really cool, though. Kyle's... I, I got Kyle's first, and he put it, like, exactly on the top. And he yeah. was like, nobody, nobody else is signing this, so I'm just gonna take priority here. Um, yeah, Kyle's a cool signature. Yeah, and uh, I, I got Brendan's signature. Um, well, he had a broken or dislocated arm, whatever. Um, whatever it was. Um, but... Uh, it was really cool meeting you um, and Jonah. Um, that was honestly probably, uh, I would say, the coolest interaction of any um, of the players there because you guys were kind of like me. You guys were like fans of the league, so yeah. um, that was that was kind of cool to see. Um, I've gotten a lot of DMs from people, and they uh, they really really liked meeting you. Um, That's I, awesome. I, I love to hear. I honestly did too. I asked you for a signature, and you were like, "Yup." And uh, you're a lot taller, actually, which is something I noticed. I'm still short compared to the rest of the guys in the league. Uh, uh, my friend thinks that Kyle is really, really short, but he's he is, he is short. Okay, no, okay, I guess I'm just small, but um, <laughs> no, you'll grow. I mean, yeah, I guess, but I guess, uh, I guess Dan is a little bigger than he seems. Um, yeah, Dan, yeah, Dan's pretty big. And then Drew, I expected Drew to be tall, but he's so tall. Like Drew's yeah, like Drew's like tower. Um, but honestly, uh, looking forward to your next season. Uh, how how do you feel? How confident do you feel in D backs going into next year? And uh, you know what the future holds. Yeah, I think that division, that NL, is going to come down to us and the Gators, man. Yeah. I really do. Uh, they don't have a draft pick, though. We do. We've been going through a lot of different guys. Not going to drop any names or anything yet, but I think our draft pick's going to help us a lot. Obviously, we have our core three, which I'm going to say is one of the best core threes in the game right now. The best. The you best. Think it's the best. I don't the know best. Far, no, no, no. I don't care. I don't care about the Gators. I don't care. I feel like there's a lot of weak spots. I'm not. I'm not pointing fingers at Brendan Zerlag. 
I'm not yeah. I'm not one hundred percent pointing fingers at him. I'm pointing fingers at the fact that I just didn't like how powerful Georgie was. Like he wasn't as powerful and Cheatham was a little inconsistent in the regular season. And I yeah, feel like you guys you guys have the best lineup that can actually consistently hit homers, hit for average, right. play in the field. A lot of depth. You know, that's just my that's just my opinion, but I feel like um, I feel like it just needs to come together for the for the D backs. That's that's yeah. all. And what I'll say too is like at the beginning of the season, me and Ben Wilson like didn't get a lot of pitches to hit just because the rest of our lineup like Kyle pitched around us, and then we added Jonah. It's like oh man, there's no holes in this lineup. You have to pitch to us now. And yeah, we got we got really good. So I'm excited. The draft's gonna be fun coming up in March. I'm so excited to see the new rookies. It's gonna be different. Like. Our draft class was just so good. It's hard to think that there can be a better draft class, but like, at the same time, we were the first draft class ever. So you, you would think some they got it. Like eventually, there's going to be a better draft class than us. I mean, this draft class reminds me of uh, I think uh, I think it was Betts Rendon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was something like that. Um, the Trout draft class was god awful. Uh, that wasn't even that good. Yeah, Trout um, went like twentieth or something in that draft. You the top. Fun fact: The White Sox uh, actually uh, they actually passed him up for a guy who didn't even play a single major league game. A lot of guys God. passed up on Mike Trout. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, you know. Uh, but I think obviously you have the number four pick in the draft. I expect you to win the National League, nine and six record to end the end the season. Um, expect a good good World Series from the D backs. I feel like you guys are going to make. Make that make that World Series finally, um, well not finally, but you know, um, obviously actually you're you're a new captain. Um, I guess uh, probably our last subject here, but you're a new captain. You're the captain of the downtown Diamondbacks now, um, and uh, you actually took over as captain for um, for uh, Gavin Oreski, and uh, obviously uh, Mason Jewell was also uh, also announced his retirement. So. Uh, yep. It it was a big off season for the D backs, probably the most productive off season um, we've seen this year because nobody has done anything. Um, well, I'll tell you, we're not done yet. There's yeah, some, some stuff going around right now, but uh, like Heath and Wilson getting cut, so that way we don't have to face them next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope. Um, and also you getting cut, and then we just start over with a new D backs team, so that way cool. we don't have to face. Okay, uh, that sounds. Maybe cool. I'll sign with the Mallards. Ah. That that'd be good. Um, not sure if we could fit you in the rotation though. Uh, oh, okay. Trevor, actually, Tre- yeah, actually, actually, yeah, Trevor, Trevor is a very very underrated, um, very very good player. Um, but uh, obviously, you have a good upcoming season. I have you making uh, the World Series. Not gonna hold it back. I actually predicted it um, in my predictions a few months ago. Um, but obviously. A really, really good, productive season for the downtown Diamondbacks. Uh, so, Jimmy, is there anything else that you want to, you know, maybe talk about or um, say to D-Back Nation? I mean, D-Back Nation, just stay strong with us. Don't give up on us yet. We're looking for more fans out here because I saw that viewership thing and we need more. But, yeah, I mean, I would, I think World Series are bust next year for us, man. It's going to come down to us and the Gators. And I'm looking for a little revenge, so. Yeah, I I would also second that. We need a little more. Uh, we need some more Mallards uh, fans over here. I don't know how we dropped off in um, Mallards viewership this year, but somehow we did. Um, uh, apparently, nobody's liking the Mallards train that much. Uh, 
Uh, although that second, that second draft pick could be big. Oh yeah, it could be like Nick Saylor. Um, yeah, Trev, yeah, Trev's gonna get some plate appearances finally. He's an underrated hitter. People don't know that. He took me deep in the winter league actually, so he can hit. Oh, I did not know that Trevor actually hit a home run off you. That's some good, some yep. good facts. If only he could like alter that and not hit a homer in the winter league and just do it off you in the in the series. Um, yeah, you know. But so a good season um, for the D-backs for sure. Um, and uh, Jimmy, thank you for coming on. Uh, it was good talking with you again. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was great having you on, man. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for having me on. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, um, I'm probably gonna show up to Illinois if that happens again. Um, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, assuming COVID doesn't uh, doesn't wreck through everything. But uh, thank you to. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you to Jimmy. Um, thank you guys for viewing. Um, it's been a great podcast today, um, and uh, we will check you guys in the next one. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In the Zone, the podcast where we talk all about MLW and the news and notes from around it. Hi, guys. I'm Declan, or Mallage Y, or uh, I guess Tommy, please draft a hitter on Instagram now. Um, but today uh, we have – we're actually going to talk about baseball more um, because there's been a lot of stuff going on, and uh, today we also have a Cubs fan on. Uh, he's going to give us some insight on why the Cubs uh, are terrible. Um, and uh, also, uh, this is Diamond Report um, on Instagram. Um, you can follow his handle. Uh, I, think it's, I, I think it's like Diamond uh, – I think it's like Diamond – Point report, something like that. Yeah, so how you doing, man? Alright, I'm losing you. Are you back? Mm-hmm. There we go. Alright, so what are we talking about today? Alright, so we got some baseball stuff, obviously. Uh, obviously, some big news. Uh, Jacques signed. Um, we got... Uh, so obviously, Jacques Peterson signed... A one-year, seven million dollar deal with the Cubs. Uh, unfortunately, um, it was then reported that um, uh, the White Sox tried to pick him up uh, for ten million, um, and uh, it, he actually declined the option. Um, he asked for more money, uh, but obviously, uh, you're a Cubs fan. So, how do you feel about like this deal? Um, and how did how do you think it affects the Cubs? Cubs very much. I think he is an upgrade over Tyler Jordan. I don't think he's a upgrade. Um, the White Sox story, as annoying as it would be to watch the Cubs, because he's a Cubs fan and as a baseball fan, just that he obviously cares about the Cubs and he feels like he wants to play there instead of, you know, as we see people like Bauer who are just going to go wherever they can get the most money and they don't care about anything else. Clearly, he had a path, and he appreciated it. So I think that's encouraging to see that they're doing something right. Ricketts and Poirier uh, Yeah, and I think, like, um, I think, like, like you said, uh, I think this is a good, like, a good thing for Jacques Peterson. Like, I don't necessarily like um, what this guy. Uh, what this guy did, because uh, he asked for more money, uh, you know, uh, with us, but he took, uh, you know, less money with the uh, with the Cubs. Uh, but you know, I do I do like it. You know, it's a 
it's a nice move because like most of the time guys will just take whatever is the most money and they'll run away with it but um, I think that we saw that not only with Jacques Peterson but we saw that with Liam Hendricks too he talked about it and uh, yeah he did talk about it a little bit he said that uh, he thinks that it's a good organization so I think like that level of commitment is pretty awesome um, in retrospect because uh, Trevor Bauer is just uh, he's a disgrace to the game he just is I don't like him Yeah, I, I, I think the same thing. Um, I think, uh, look, Trevor Bauer's probably going to make his decision in the next two weeks, and um, it's just, it's annoying knowing that, you know, some guys work so hard to get just, you know, a few contract offers, and this guy is getting, like, an offer of, like, probably $20 million, $30 million, like, and he won't take it. It's so annoying to know that, like, some guys get underpaid, like Jacques Peterson, and yeah, exactly. this guy's asking for, like, $40 million a year. It's like, you had one good 60-game season, all right? Calm down. Like, ugh, it's just, it's annoying. Yeah, and then there's this whole narrative about him. He is just trying to build his brand. He's just trying to build his brand. You know why he's trying to build his brand? It's because he wants more money. Everything is about the money for the guy. The only reason he cares about his social media is so he can get money. He sells merch for his YouTube channel. He gets money views on his YouTube channel. Everything about it is the money. And he plays it off like it's not. But I'm not falling for it. He 100% all he cares about is the money. And I find it, once again, obnoxious. And I think it shows exactly what it is. Yeah, all this stupid stuff about his, like, brand, quote-unquote, is so, like, it's just so arbitrary. It's like, dude, nobody cares, you don't care about your brand, you care about your money, and so does your agent. I hate, I hate Rachel Luba. They're both so annoying. She's like, oh, well, Trevor Bauer deserves this money, and Yasiel Puig didn't do this, and he didn't, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just hate both of them. Like, they're so annoying, like... I know, like, his fan base is, like, 12-year-old kids that, like, you know, are always complaining that, like, there shouldn't be a universal DH or something like that. Like, it's just, <sighs> Trevor Bauer's just annoying. If he ca if he came to play for the, for the Sox, I sure hope that they wouldn't put him anywhere near um, Lucas Giolito or Dallas Keuchel. They are one and two. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a different, it's a different caliber. It's a different thing. It's stupid. I want to be every four days is ridiculous. So I don't care if there's going to be every four days. The A's or the Rays or someone like that. You're not going to do that on a good team. Like, it, it's completely self-contradictory, actually. He said, I don't know if you watched that video, but he said, number one, I want to play for a World Series contender. That's a team that's successful all around. Number two, I want to pitch every four days. If you're on a World Series contender, you would hope that you don't have to pitch every four days and that your team can pick it up and have five good starters in the rotation. 
So to me, that's it's idiotic and it's brainless. It's brainless. He, for some reason, he's thinking like, okay, I want to pitch every four days. He's not in the postseason every day. I mean, this isn't this isn't the postseason where you know you throw four starters out there and then you work every single last ounce of like, I guess, um, arm fluid in their body until like, because it's the end of the year, so it's. It's just annoying to know that some guys work so hard while this guy's just, you know, oh, I'll just take the most money. Simple. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we really haven't seen done in a very, very long time in baseball. And for him, being a fringe top 15 pitcher in the league, I it doesn't make sense. I'd say the same thing. Um, I I honestly think uh, that honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna pitch for a good team, and you're gonna say to yourself, like, uh, well, I should pitch every four days. It's like, dude. You are literally competing for a World Series contending team that you said yourself you want to play for. Now you're saying literally that you want to pitch every four days. The team that he's going to, they're not going to let him pitch every four days. He's going to go to the Mets. I think we all can see it. And if he's not going to go to the Mets, it's going to be some random team that swoops in the last second, like the Manny Machado deal. Simple as that. Another team I can see that's even in the running right now is the Dodgers because he... He might take a short-term deal to get that high AAV, you know, the $32 million or whatever he thinks he's worth. And I think the Dodgers would be willing to go a two- or three-year deal for maybe, uh, if it's a two-year deal, maybe $65 million, which to me is unnecessarily and unnecessary. You've got Bueller and Kershaw at the top of that rotation. But um, if they feel like they need to do that, they're... As we know, the Dodgers are never hesitant to spend money. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but I, I guess, so go, going into our next topic here. Um, yes. Obviously, we have seen a lot of teams make good acquisitions. In my opinion, the most, the uh, team with the best offseason so far has far and away been the Padres. They went from, like, number seven in power rankings all the way to number two, just like that. Um, yep. and, uh, honestly, they're, they're really, really scary, but my problem is Darvish. I'm sorry. It's just Darvish. He's getting older. Um, yeah, and, uh, Clevenger's going to be out. Like, this is a all-star rotation. This is the best rotation far and away, in my opinion. I, I just don't see the Dodgers competing. If the Dodgers get Bauer, quite honestly, it's, it, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's, um, I would say it's a toss-up, honestly. Like, I don't think it's, um, like, right now the Padres far and away have the best uh, rotation. But if Bauer actually does what Bauer did this year, um, or at least something like that, I think it's going to be close um, between the Padres and the Dodgers, who has the best rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think on paper the Padres are the best team in baseball. But you have to take into account that Tatis, the stud that he is, he's a very, very good player. And I know on my Instagram it sometimes comes off as if I don't think he's a good player. I think he's a very talented player. I think he will be a top 20 player in baseball someday. Um, 
but he hasn't played 162 games yet. So we don't know if his stardom is sustainable. And it very easily, like Starlin Castro with the Cubs, I'm going to use a Cubs example, very good player right now. When he came up, the guy was a stud. He was Tatis. Everyone, he's going to be one of the best players in baseball. And he flatlined. For his first 80 games or something, he was a superstar. And then sometimes it's not sustainable. You always see these guys come up out of nowhere. And Tatis came up, and he did Tatis things. He was very good. But, again, I don't know how sustainable it is. I can say the same thing about Cromeworth and LeMet as well. I don't know how proven he is. Uh, uh, here's my problem with the Padres. It's, okay, um... I don't know if you've seen some of the Instagram drama, but there's there's been some stuff. Um, that, let's just say that. Um, my problem is, look, you... I hate it when people are... Now, I just want to use this as a quick example. The Mets and the White Sox, for example. Mostly the White Sox. Um, and, and the Blue Jays, I guess, too. Um, my problem with the Padres is... Here's the thing. Cronenworth, Profar, and... Um, like a few other platoon slash like I guess everyday guys, you need to evaluate. You need to evaluate it. Get it through your head. Eric Hosmer is not a top ten first baseman anymore. He was a top ten first baseman when he won that championship with the Royals. He is no longer a top ten first baseman. Get it through your heads. He doesn't deserve that money. Anyway, my problem with the Padres is people keep saying on and on and on. They are a great team. They're going to win the World Series. Whatever. But the same kind of people that are saying that. They are the same kind of people that are saying that the White Sox are overhyped and they only had a good 60-game season. You want to talk to me about that when the Padres literally just had a good 60-game season. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about the White Sox. Look, in, in my opinion, they're overrated. They're my team, but they're overrated. The same thing with the Padres. They are overrated. The Blue Jays, they're a little underrated, quite honestly. They're flying under the radar. But my problem yeah, is... Uh, if the Blue Jays add another starter, they can do so much damage. Like, I think a low-risk pickup for them. Jake Arrieta, Taiwan Ooh. Walker. Um, Odorizzi. Who else is out there? Odorizzi, yeah. Odorizzi, Paxton. Um, any of those guys, I think, would be great for them. I thought Alex Wood would have been great for them, but he signed with the Giants. It's like people they can get for cheap, and their pitching coach and their entire staff over there, very, very talented people. Last season, they got Taiwan Walker at the trade deadline. Took him from a below-average pitcher to all-star caliber in the second half of that season. So I'm really excited to see more that. Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, and uh, Tyler Chatwood. Don't forget about all Nate Pearson. Interesting to watch. They all have crazy potential. And I think with the right coaches, they can, they can really be great. We've seen flashes of greatness from all of them. Yeah, but like I love I I like the Blue Jays. Like um honestly, I think they're a good competition in the AL, a league that is extremely weak. Um I honestly, let's just assess the situation. Basically what we're looking at for the AL here is a three-team race, uh essentially a dogfight and a wild card. That wild card is the Twins. And those three teams are in order, Yankees, White Sox, Blue Jays. Simple as that. Uh, it's it's a weak it's a weak league, um, yep. and I just 
the NL is so stacked. Like, it's just, it's so stacked. Everyone's going there. Um, I think Bauer might even go, Bauer's probably going to the National League, too. Um, but, um, again, though, I, I just don't like this assumption. Like, obviously the Padres have proven everything, but let me throw a situation out there for you. You get, if anyone remembers the 2016 White Sox, everybody expected them to, if not make the playoffs, be in the competition until probably the last day, and then probably make a wild card. But guess what happened? They didn't gel correctly because they threw in all these random guys, and they just shoved them in a locker room, and they said, you know what, why don't you guys go do something? And then they did absolutely nothing. Todd Frazier and Adam Eaton destroyed the entire clubhouse. The reason why they went into a rebuild, I'm not saying that's going to happen to the Padres. They're young. But you have to consider that this team has to gel because there is a lot of starters there. That's it. Yeah, there's a lot of personalities also. I think we all know Manny Machado with his I'm not Mr. Hustle or whatever bullshit comments. Yeah, um, that's a very possible scenario, obviously. Um, I think, you know, it's pretty good um, what what's happening over there in the Padres organization. Uh, obviously, the just to go over a few cliff notes, the, the Blue Jays signed Marcus Simeon. Uh, my opinion, a bit of an overpay. Um, but some people are saying it's an underpay. Some people are saying it's an overpay. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, this guy was... Uh, like average shortstop before 2019, uh, but he's a he's a top three AL MVP finalist. He was underrated going into this offseason, and uh, honestly, I think this is a great pickup by the Blue Jays, and uh, it's definitely going to improve their team for sure. Oh yeah, I there's no doubt. I think I think the Blue Jays all around all of them this offseason have been very strategic and very planned. Whereas other teams are kind of going off a whim, like, this guy likes our offer. <laughs> I think they've got a very good infield. Now that you're looking at the arrow at first, um, Semyon at second, maybe. I think that's where they're going to put him now. And then you've got Machette at shortstop, and you've got Biggio at third. And I think that's a very young infield. And Guerrero, we haven't seen the best from him yet. We really haven't. I have so much faith that that guy's going to be good. I think he's very underrated right now. And he lost 30 pounds, I think they said, this offseason. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back a different player. Uh, honestly, my thinking of, of Vlad is... Uh, my thinking of him is if Simeon stays with the Blue Jays for long term and uh this one year deal isn't just a one time thing. Um and it could very well be, but I don't think we're gonna see him return to third. Uh because Biggio was obviously uh at at second, at least um last year. 
and you yeah. know Vlad would kind of switch off from third to first. But if this Simeon thing is a long-term thing, uh, don't expect to see Vlad uh, at third that much anymore. He's probably just going to get settled into first and uh, possibly just um, no. It just might it just might be like that. Quite honestly, uh, it it's hard to predict. But you know, uh, with the, with the Simeon addition, it's adding a few questions at least. So to me, I think I think that is going to be a one year thing because um, their number two prospects Austin Martin and their number three prospect Jordan Groshans are both middle infield type guys, and I think Simeon's a, a quick fix, and those guys are going to be a long term real deal. Both of them, I think, are top 50 prospects right now. So I think that's who the Blue Jays are banking on long-term, but I think this year they want to compete with Ryu's big contract and that pitching staff. They think they can compete this year, and I think that was a good win now. Whereas Springer was more of a win. We'll let our guys develop it through the peak of this team. Yeah, I, I like this move. Um, it's really, really good. Um, and besides that, there wasn't much to talk about um, in the free agent market, at least, that is, these last couple days. Um, obviously, a huge blockbuster trade, probably the biggest trade um, this offseason besides the Lindor trade. Uh, Nolan Arenado was traded to the uh, Cardinals, at least, that's what it seems. Um, so you're obviously a Cubs fan. Try not to be too biased here, but what does this do for the Cardinals? Is it like an actual com- like competitive move? Are they actually going to gun for the NL Central? A division that's probably a little weak. Um, you know, and also, if they acquire another starter, I mean, they're, they're going to be looking pretty good. Cardinals going to have a lot of Flaherty, Flaherty and, uh, Wayno. they have? They have Wayno. I, I can't name anybody else. They don't have a good starting oh, pitching they, they team. they have um, Miles Michaelis. Oh, yeah, that guy. And they've got, they brought Wainwright back, and then they got a guy from Korea last year, I think. Oh, yeah, he was good. I can't remember his last name, but he was pretty good. Yeah, he was good. I don't know. We'll see. Again, 60-game season, we'll see how he holds up. But, you know, the Cubs are going to have Alec Mills as our three. Yeah. And then the four and five are up for grabs. You might have Alzale come up from the Liners. You have Braylon Marquez, who's going to be a stud today, come up from the Liners. I don't even know if he'll come up. And you've got Shelton Hill, who I completely forgot existed. <laughs> but I guess he's an option now. I, I really, I'd like to see us go out and get Arietta. I think if I can get Arietta and maybe another kind of because I have more faith in a veteran, Jess Samorja, actually, 
know they were talking to reportedly. And he's washed up and he's not very good, but get him on a small contract and I have more faith in him than I do in a rookie. Dang, that's actually pretty that's that, that's pretty big like confidence in Arietta. I think he's underrated. Um I think people are misvaluing like 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 Dallas Keuchel last year. This dude literally wants Cy Young. And it's like you are you are literally saying you don't want a Cy Young on your team. Like if I if I like you're saying to me that you wouldn't grab a 38-year-old Garrett Cole or you wouldn't grab a 39-year-old Max Scherzer, a 39-year-old Steven Strasburg, whoever just because they are a little washed. Exactly. It's And and the thing that those guys bring to the table is experience. And more than anything, even with John Lester on the Cubs, he wasn't very good the last two years. But the guy, if he gave up a run, a lot of times you see this with rookies, and there's a lot of the mind behind baseball. It's when rookies give up a run, they get in their heads. And it oftentimes will blow up completely. Like it, it will go from one run to five runs. And I think these veterans really have a good control over the game. They know that you play the game at their pace. And they take advantage of it, which is why I think Arietta would be such a great pickup because he's someone who dominates the game with his mindset. That honestly, that's a really, really good take. Um, but honestly, um, I really, really like the bullpen market this year. Obviously, um, we got hand to Washington. Um, that was pretty big. Um, and we also got. Uh, um, who else? Uh, we got Hand to Washington, uh, obviously Hendricks to Chicago, which is, honestly, that's, uh, uh honestly, that's really, really awesome. Uh, uh, we also... I like, I like the Hendricks move. I think that this reliever market was so big that they almost could have gone another way. But I, I like the Hendricks move. I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, I don't like the overpay that much. Uh, you know, I mean, but what do you expect? I mean, he's, in my opinion, the second best reliever in the game. Um, you know, I, I know some people think he's the yeah. best reliever, but, yeah. uh, you know, I think Hater's a little better, you know. Uh, I think Hater's still that one guy for me. Uh, Hendricks... To me, they're different, they're different kinds of guys. Hater's going to be your three-inning reliever yeah who can really pick up slack if you have a bad game from your starter and Hendricks is going to be the guy who pitches the ninth every single night and his lights out so I think they're apples and oranges it's hard to compare but in my mind they're definitely definitely the top two pitchers in baseball well, well no that's why like that's why the the Brewers are so scary to me like their their lineup isn't anything to like you know laugh at I mean you still got Yelich in there um that there's you know, it's definitely not like a great all-star lineup, but I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, Hera is pretty underrated, um, and uh, you know, obviously, it, th- there's rumors they might get Turner. Uh, also, some rumors they might get, I think, like a few other guys. Um, but another big bat would be huge, in my opinion. So, um, I think, I mean, NL Central's up for grabs. So. Uh, good. It's gonna be a dogfight for the NL Central, honestly. Um, we might see like one team take the lead, and then the next team takes the lead, and then it might come down to the last part of the season. It might just. Yeah, I think it'll be 
very because what people are forgetting is that Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, and Chris Bryant still have potential. They're not old. They're old. Baez and Contreras and um, Bryant are still in their 20s, and Rizzo's 30 or 31. And these guys have a lot left in the tank. If they can produce, they, I, I have confidence in them. It's like they did it and I don't think the company will be a World Series winner again, but I think they can be a playoff team. I think the same thing. I think a lot of people underrate the Cubs. Um, you know, just because you trade away uh, Darvish, look, you still have Kyle Hendricks. You want to know how yeah. scary Kyle Hendricks is? He is very, very scary. Um, honestly, I would love to have Kyle Hendricks uh, on the south side. He is so good. Uh, he He's just... He's lights out on the mound. He pitches with, like, he's not, like, a guy that's going to, like, pop his head off every single time he comes off the mound, like the other Hendricks on Chicago. Um, but, you know, he's just, he's a different kind of character. Um, and I think that's, like, usual with the Cubs staff. Like, none of them really, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say they don't get fun with it, but... I, I feel like the lineup's a little more fun, uh, while the rotation is kind of like, okay, yeah, I just pitched those innings. Yeah, that's about it. I, I, oh, I just yeah, like that. yeah. I, the rotation is a big if, of course. And I, I don't even think the Cubs run office knows what's going to happen. You're putting a lot of trust in that Davies to be good, which he can be. You're putting a lot of trust in Alec Mills, which he hasn't played very much. They are going to be filling those spots for minor leagues. But shifting gears a little bit, I think the National League is going to be so fun to watch this year. You've got the Braves, the Mets, the Nationals, possibly the Marlins, and it looks like the all five of them are going to be competing for a wild card spot and the division title. And then you've got the Dodgers and Padres out west, so I think it's going to be a really competitive and fun year. Yeah, it, in my opinion, it's going to be uh, a pretty uh, weird year, too. Um, obviously, uh, it's going to be just kind of weird to see like how some of these teams perform. Um, if the 60-game slump was just kind of like a, I don't know, a weird thing for the Mets. If a 60-game slump was uh, a weird thing for the Padres, White Sox, and Blue Jays. Um, in my opinion, it's not, though. All three of those teams are playoff teams. All three of those teams have the potential to win a pennant. Um, and uh, it, it's going to be just pretty fun. I mean, uh, it's going to be the Bombers, uh, who are kind of defending the old man mantle uh, out in the um, AL. And then there's the two teams that are built for the future. And real quick, I just want to say... Anybody who's saying the Padres and the White Sox don't have any prospects, um, first off, the White Sox have five top ten, top one hundred po- prospects, uh, which is pretty scary um, for anyone who is a fan of um, anyone in the Central. And the Padres still have like four or five po- prospects. Yeah, um, and the Padres have two in the top ten. They've got Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams. Yeah, both top ten. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see what they do with Abrams because he, he projects as a big league shortstop, and obviously, I think shortstop's taken. 
Cena moved the third and Crowworth is at second. So I don't know if they trade Crowworth and open up second base. Oh, and they got the guy from uh, Yeah, they got Hun Sang Kim. Like, what are they doing? Yeah, they they're playing at home for sure. Yeah, they exactly. Best available is like they're drafting. They they're not filling needs. If I were them, I would have gone out and got an outfielder. Like Joe Musgrove is unnecessary. Sure, he makes their like they have the opportunity to get out of the best available. If they already have the same rotation, then to be giving up. Prospects that they did for Joe Musgrove might not be necessary. Okay, let's just let's just say it honestly. Um, let's just say it. I mean, Darvish. I mean, what are you doing, Cubs? The Pirates literally fleece the the Padres for Musgrove, and then the Cubs can't even get in return the guy who got robbed of Cy Young slash the guy who was like, in my opinion, Degrom kind of got robbed, but Darvish was kind of robbed too. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, how do you... I mean, so what I, what the Cubs are doing is they're playing the gamble game, which they've been historically very good at, where they're essentially buying lottery tickets. They're buying a bunch of 18-year-olds and 19-year-old guys who are so hard to make leagues that their rankings right now is, you know, I think our best guy... Is like tenth our tenth best prospect, but in three years he could easily be our second best prospect, and he could easily be a top fifty prospect. He could also be out of the game of baseball. You never know. But we got I think it's four or five kind of examples of that. The surest bet is uh, Owen Cassie, who's their first round pick this year. They sent to us, mm. and um, yeah. In six years, we'll either look back at that and say, that was the best trade of all time. Uh, and the Cubs got superstars out of that. Like we would say with Anthony Rizzo, when the Cubs traded for Anthony Rizzo, he was a nothing, he was a no one. Um, you, you just never know with this kind of stuff. They could also run up the majors and it could be a terrible trade. But I think Darvish's age was a red flag for the Padres and why we didn't get that much. Yeah, um, honestly, like, I, I like that perspective, and one thing I want to want to say here is, honestly, the way you talked about the Padres having, like, so many options um, in the infield, honestly, it reminds me a little bit of what we're doing, because we have two top nine prospects, uh that are both first basemen. And then yes. we have the MVP who should stop playing first base as we speak. Sorry, Jose, but you need to stop playing first base. Your DRS is terrible. Um, yep. your, your, def your defense, you can make a... You're like Tim Anderson. You can have some great plays, and then you can have some god-awful plays. Um, but uh, honestly, just... Can we please get Vaughn or Sheets up here? Vaughn is the number 14 prospect. Probably would be a little higher if he played past single A or double A, I think. Um, yeah. If he played uh, if he played in triple A, he would be top 10. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but trade Gavin Sheets. Trade Gavin Sheets away for, like, a starting pitcher at the deadline. 
you're not going to... Like, this guy has no future year. Like, just his ETA is 2021, and nobody's talking about him. Like, I like the guy. I've heard about him. But he just... There's no future. Like, it's just... It's simple as that. It's like the Canerco and the Abreu situation. It's like, there is that one guy who's going to take that spot at first. And it's so obvious. Just... That's... Yeah, I, I agree. I think it happens a lot in baseball that you think... So, I'm going to go back to the Cubs because I think the Cubs have a very good example of so their kind of old core for everything. Is uh, Wilson Contreras came off as a third baseman and the Cubs were like, we have a catcher to the future. So we're going to put you a catcher and we're going to see what you can do because they thought Kyle Schwarber was a terrible catcher. And they didn't have a left fielder, so they said, Schwarber, you go try left field, and they'll put you there. And it worked. Contreras isn't the best defensive catcher, but he's fine. And Schwarber is a pretty bad left fielder, but he didn't cost that many runs. Like, his DRS was mediocre, his OAA was mediocre, but it wasn't terrible. And I think teams like the White Sox and Padres are going to have to take gamble like that where maybe you move on to where you feel. Uh, Something like that. And I, I don't know if you can play there. I need to look at, you know, height, weight, speed, all that kind of stuff. But it, it might be worth something looking into that right field, they don't have a right fielder for the future. And that's yeah, they do. the only position that they don't have a right fielder for. Or that they don't have a yeah, they do. player for the <laughs> Like they have Madrigal at second, who's going to be a stud. Ah. Uh. Hello? Anderson is going to be at short for the long time. You've got Moncada at third. He's not going anywhere. Moncada's loaded. Eloy and Robert in the outfield, they're not going anywhere. So And Grandal. So uh, I think the entire team is set. The entire team is set, but you're missing out on that one guy who you are very, very high on, and you literally just skip past his name. Uh, little guy named Nucleus uh, Cespinus. Yes. Yes, and you just skip by his name. He's a right fielder. Hello. That um, is true. I, I, everybody me. forgets um, we just signed the number one international prospect. His ETA is probably like 2022, but guess what? Possibly even 2023. But guess what? If you just angle in at and Eaton, Eaton has Eaton finished like top 20 MVP voting in 2014. If we see anything like that, that would be huge. But yeah. These guys are not here for the long haul. He's a short-term fix. That's exactly. That's like, true. I didn't... Like, I I was high on Springer to begin with, but when I heard that we were getting this guy, he sounds like a complete stud. I mean... Yeah, Seth Bennett is a five-tool player. He's yeah. old, and he's not going to get any better than what he is right now. But I don't care, because right now, if you put him in the MLB, he's a five-tool player. So I think if he develops in the minor for a year... And, you know, Holmes is fielding in a big league ballpark. It, it could be scary. He's got the speed. I'd almost, honestly, if I were his coach, which I'm not, if I were his coach, um, I'd look at putting him in center. Because I know Robert is crazy, or even left, and move Eloy into right, because I think he's a very good fielder. And right field might not be the best place to showcase that. Honestly, yeah. I mean, usually... And I'm not saying, you know, all the time, but let's just look at it, guys. What is everybody always talking about? Left bats. Lefty bats. Usually, you'll have, like, 
maybe seven right bats and then like two yeah. left bats. So yeah. if the ball's not traveling to Eloy, that's great. Like don't don't put it in Eloy's play. I mean he's terrible. I mean he's just yeah, he's, he's bad. He's, he's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, uh, Cespinus, from what I heard, can play pretty good defense, so, um, and Robert there, too, um, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Cespinus has almost Robert-level defense. It's way above average, and he is potentially a 5 tool player. He's ridiculously fast. That might even be his best tool, and I think he can track down spy balls very well. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, Lots and he- of opportunities. Yeah, and he's kind of like Madrigal, from what I understand. He's like not that much of a home run hitter, but he hits for average, and he does it good. Um, yes. You know, I think that's better because this White Sox team is looking too much like the Yankees where they just hit bomb after bomb, and then yes. they never get small ball. So I think um, that won't be a problem for them like right now because I feel like Grandal, his power is going to be, be coming back like – his power in the in the postseason, we only saw three games, but he was really really good in the postseason. Yes. Two home runs and only th- in his first two games in the postseason for the White Sox. So well, I, I think that's where Madrigal comes in also because that guy is playing in the nineteen seventies and I love it. That's I love so awesome. it. He's going to be so fun to watch because his basketball skills are ridiculous. He's like DJ LeMahieu times five. Oh, he, he has so much potential. Like, honestly, if this kid... Okay, let's just be honest. Most of these guys in the in the minors are there for a little too long. If Madrigal is there for the time that some of these guys are there, like, for example, if he never goes to college and he gets drafted out of high school, oh, God. Yeah. This dude oh, is... Yeah. Oh, boy. He is really, really going to be good. Um, you know, just a great... Ba- he's, he's honestly reminded me of Ted Williams a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just, he can hit so well. He hits opposite field, center field, left field, wherever. It's awesome. And he doesn't strike out. No. He does not strike out. And it's, it's going to be in a lineup full of big swings and lots of strikeouts. Robert, Eloy, all of those guys are going to strike out a ton. Oh yeah. But, like, um, that's true. This guy, he, he's not going to strike out. I, I, fe- I think you're looking at maybe maybe 50 strikeouts in a season. And I don't even think he'll strike out that many times. Honestly, I think the same thing, like, okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Okay, Abreu is one of the worst strikeouts in all of the game. He strikes out so much. It's so annoying. It's like, it's either boom or bust for the guy. It's either like, oh, I'm going to hit one to to left field or right field, or I'm going to strike out. So... It's, you know, um, what I like is his opposite field uh, power. He can hit basically wherever. Um, that swing is just so weird. Um, you know, but, again, it's it's all about that small ball for them and the, and the Padres, quite honestly. Like, the Padres yeah. operated with a home run hitting team. You need small ball, too. The, 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 uh, the Dodgers had it. I mean... I think, I think that's where Conworth comes in in San Diego. Because he's a big small ball guy, actually very similar to Madrigal in many ways. I think a poor man's Nick Madrigal, maybe. True. guy as well, but he hits homers also. He's not an either or. 
Yeah, so obviously we have done a few uh, collabs together on your uh, page. Uh, obviously we've done uh, positional rankings. Um, yep. And uh, obviously uh, there's been some controversy in the comments, um, but honestly I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, the lists. Um, I think they're basically all realistic. Like, honestly, Juan Soto is, in my opinion, one because, look... He has so much potential, and honestly, I hate hearing Tatis is the guy of the future. I hate it. It's Juan Soto. It is Juan Soto. Get it through your head. That kid is the next Mike Trout. I don't like. I don't want to put anyone on Mike Trout's level, but that kid is so talented. Like his defense could. Eh, it's it's pretty good. Like it, it could lose. It could use some improvement, but um, it, his bat is filthy. He hits. So much. Um, he probably. If you ask me, he's, he's two years removed from being as good as Mike Trout. And Mike Trout is a player for the ages. I think when he finishes, he could go down as a top three player of all time. I think when Soto finishes his career, he's going to be the best player of all time. He's Ooh. 22 years old. It's unbelievable. He's 22. He already has a ring. Would have won the MVP. Um, and then he visibly carried the offense um, throughout that whole year. And stop talking to me about how the Nationals are overrated. Like, they're good. Yeah. They're really good. They're, they're dangerous. Good. I said if they get a closer, it's either Brad Hand or Alex Colomay. I was, I was ruling out Hendricks yep. at the time because I was like, look, don't spend that much money on Hendricks because let's not forget you have Will Harris, um, who's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I said either hand or column A, and obviously they came through with hand, so bullpen scary. Lineup is really scary, especially with Soto in there. Um, Soto, Robles, Schwarber. Yeah, exactly, that was about, I, I was about to get to. If Strasburg stays healthy, oh my god, this is gonna be a very, very scary team all around. Yeah, Corbin, Strasburg, Scherzer, four and five are question marks, but I don't care if you're throwing... Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer three out of every five days. That gives you a very good chance to win three out of every five days, which in Major League Baseball is a playoff team. Exactly. Like, that is a playoff team in Major League Baseball, especially in the National League. Like, the National League is going to be harder than the AL, but let's just assess it. The AL was much harder in the past. Um, Obviously, this year in the AL, you had to win 35 games in order to get into the um, playoffs uh, in a five-team playoff, and yep. that last team was obviously going to be the Chicago White Sox. Um, the Yankees actually had a worse record, but since that whole crappy thing where it's like, oh, uh, the two seed gets a higher seed because that makes, or the two, the two person, uh, the two team yep. uh, gets a higher seed because that makes a lot of sense. Even though the White Sox were better yeah. than. Yeah. All right, that was crazy. I should really get inside. <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty snowing over here. Um, is it really? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful right now, but it's so windy. It yeah. is so windy. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, it's coming down pretty hard over here. Uh, but uh, so, any final thoughts about uh, MLB? Like. Uh, for example, Odorizzi, Paxton, who's going to sign? Odorizzi, Paxton are both 
going to be good additions. Would you say they're the two best starting pitchers on the market oh. right now? Uh, oh, well, uh, dare I say it. Um, I guess, you know what, no. Yes, yes, they are. Because Bauer is overrated, and Bauer, let's let's not forget, Bauer sucked in 2019 with both teams that he was with. And I don't care if he wins Cy Young in a 2020 Mickey Mouse season where he can't get catch any offense. Look, Paxton... And when, I, when I say best, I don't mean best in terms of it's good of a player, but in terms of value for the player, I think those two are the best. Yes, exactly. Like, I, I think that's a good point. Like, um, Paxton... Uh, is a I think he's a former All Star. I would have yep. to check. Yeah, he is. Um, he's the former ace of the Yankees. Um, and then you got Odorizzi, who is literally one of the most underrated um, pitchers in all of the game. Look, this guy was an All Star in 2019. This guy knows how to pitch. And I, you know I hate hearing Barrios yeah. and Maeda are so much better than him. When it's like, this guy is so good, like he's underrated seeing him in the division. He's scary. He's very scary. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is you're going to get Odorizzi or Paxton for $12 million, I think. To, I, that would be, I guess, 12 to $14 million. And the AAP for Bauer could be anywhere up to $35 million. And I do not think that Bauer's three times the player of Odorizzi. I really don't. I don't even think he's two times the player. Maybe 1.5. But I, I just, I'd stay away from that if I was a GM. I, I honestly, okay, I just, I'm going to say this. Um, for, my, for my final closing thought on a starting yes. pitcher. I'm going to say this. Any team, anywhere, can sign Odorizzi, Paxton, or Walker. You're gonna have to be pretty, pretty high on yourself if you're gonna get Bauer. Yeah. But here's what I'm gonna say: any team that is being counted out right now, I'll give you an example: the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the to, yeah. the kind of the Toronto Blue Jays, because most people thought that they were gonna get Paxton, and then now everybody stopped talking about it. The D-backs, even look, the D-backs, they're not in full rebuild mode yet. They might get yeah. a one-year deal on Walker. Uh, and obviously yeah. the Reds. What if the Reds get one of these guys? Do you know how scary that's going to be? You have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're replacing Bauer, but like they might be better than Bauer, like Paxton or that's, and that's what People keep on forgetting all they lost was Bauer. Yeah, they didn't lose anyone else. No, and most and, and most people were saying like this team is going to be so good because they have Gray and Castillo at one and two yeah. at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... If they hold on to everyone, and I'm going to say the same thing about the Cubs, because they've been rumored to trade their guys, and even the Brewers, if they hold on to Hater, I think all three of those teams can be very, very, very good. Honestly, like, um, the only team that's, like, not questionable for rebuild in the Central is the Cardinals. Like, they might, yeah. they might not even be my favorite right now. Like... Honestly, the Arenado trade, it's good, but honestly, what does this do? Like, their lineup is pretty good. They have Edmund, they have Goldschmidt, they have Arenado, they have a deadly infield, but who, okay, they have Dylan Carlson, who um, I know someone's very, very high on. Um, I'm not going to name off any names, um, but... He, he's a question mark. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harrison Bader is a question. Oh. He's never even been good. No. And who else do they even have in their outfield? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's kind of questionable. Had, last year they had Matt Schrock. Who the heck is that? He was a weird guy who actually was good. But it, what if you don't get a weird guy who's good this year? Then what are you going to do? Okay, the ti- I think the Tigers signed Robbie Grossman, too. Yeah, That's a Robbie sneaky Grossman, move. I thought that was a good pickup for a lot of contending teams. But for the Tigers, what I don't ever understand, and the Royals did this this offseason, and the Tigers did it, is why non-contending teams sign people to one- and two-year deals. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense. make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why do you need to waste money on them? What are they bringing to the table for you? No, that, that's my that's my thing. Like, okay, the Royals don't understand. Like, okay, are you trying to beat the White Sox and the Twins right now? No, you're not. You're not trying to beat those teams. And the same thing goes with the Indians. It's like, Indians, you just got Eddie Rosario. Congrats. But you, okay, most people thought that you were going to get Jacques Peterson for a low and cheap price. And yeah. he just... It's so stupid to see these teams. The Padres, Blue Jays, White Sox... I mean, actually, no, actually, the Blue Jays are controversial because they they held on to some of their core pieces for way too long, um, and they burned money on them, too. Um, yes. But the White Sox, Padres... Um, oh, the Marlins are doing a great job. Um, they're phenomenal. Yes, they are, doing phenomenal. A, they are doing a great job. I love what they're doing over there. But just, like... This is my thing. Stop spending money when you are literally just trying to get good draft picks. If yeah, you if you exactly. start tanking, if you it's start tanking, matters. have you heard those college and high school names? Do you want those guys on your major league roster, or do you just want to keep competing for a third seed or exactly. a fourth seed? It's simple. You know, to me, the worst thing in baseball is trying to make the playoffs and being that fringe team that's like the second team out of the playoffs where you're going to have like the 18th draft pick and you didn't make the playoffs. There's no benefit to doing that. And especially these next couple of years in the draft have some huge names. This draft class is insanely deep. Yeah, I, I, I just hate it. I think the Diamondbacks actually last year played it smart. They were losing at the trade deadline and instead of getting better, they got worse. And it worked. Now they have the number five pick, and they're going to get a stud. Uh, honestly, dare I say it though? But what if, what if? So obviously, Listella and Simmons moved. Um, but what if the, um, what if the D-backs dumped Bumgarner for, like, for like some just to get rid of the salary cap and get some prospects in return. Let's sure. not forget. I, I don't know why not. I mean, this guy, I mean, he is a former World Series MVP. He's a three-time World Series champion. Do you forget what this guy used to do? It's like the Arietta and Keuchel situation. This guy yeah, was so exactly. good. Like, you stick him on the right team, I feel like he's that guy. If you stick him on the right team, definitely not the Rockies. He's going to suck. Um, yeah. But if you no, stick him on the right team. Teams, he is the right guy. And I think sometimes a chain of, of scenery benefits people. And I know it sounds stupid because there's no real proof behind that, but I think it allows you to get into a new environment 
some people get crushed by the media in their city. And moving on to a new city, you don't have the media constantly portraying you as an antagonist. And hey, I, think, I think it's huge, actually. Yeah. Getting and moving. And I think Bumgarner's, and I say the same thing about Arietta, their careers could be revived going to a different city. Obviously, you had the uh, the Hall of Fame uh, debacle. Uh, I think Kurt Schilling probably should have gotten in. Um, don't know yeah. too much. Don't know too much about. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds is really, really controversial. Uh, yep. I feel like possibly, maybe someday, but uh, you know, I really, really hope that Poppy gets in. Just come on, I, let him in. I, I think you will. I. You know, really, I don't know how much looked into the whole steroid era thing, but um, Jose Canseco oh, God. is the guy who's ruined, he ruined baseball. And not in, in some ways he did it, in some ways he made baseball more fun, but he ruined these guys' careers, and I don't think Bond should pay for it. Sure, he did it, but he wasn't the one who was revolutionizing the game like that. It was all on Canseco. That guy's an absolute lunatic, and I feel like he should pay the price more than anyone else should for steroids. Oh, he's he's pretty weird, um, especially oh, just watched a video so on him. Uh, definitely uh, an interesting I, character. I, I think I watched the exact same video. Yeah, I think I think everybody in the uh, IG baseball community knows uh, who baseball doesn't exist is. Um, yes. Very, yeah. very entertaining guy. I, I like hearing it. I watched the... Uh, the disco demolition. Uh, considering I went to the, I think it was like thirtieth or fiftieth anniversary of whenever that took place um, yeah. at White Sox Park, got a shirt for, from it. Um, that was awesome. But yeah, honestly, that guy, his, his like intonation is so weird in his videos, but his content is amazing. So I watch a lot of his stuff. It's very interesting. Yeah, especially when he's addressing the uh, the pitching situation. Uh, which we won't go into too much into depth. Just, let's just say, honestly, hitters are getting so much of an advantage um, yeah. that, honestly, maybe foreign substances are a little better. Um, I don't think we should be using them to an extent like Trevor Bauer is, but um, I think it's a thing for conversation. Like, it's nothing... Um, it's like the All steroid right. era, but, you know... Um, that's gonna probably wrap it up. Uh, huge, yeah. pretty big, pretty long podcast today. Um, but I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, really, really big week in baseball. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's gonna wrap it up, guys. Sounds good. All right, guys. Um, so that's going to wrap it up, um, and uh, we will check you guys in the next one.